My name's Lee McGowan. I'm a, a lecturer at the um, University of the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Uh, my research has been on football fiction. I'm also researching women's football, uh, and I'm, I'm looking leaning into community engagement through football as well now. Uh, the book, my favourite football book ever, um, is a novel by the Scottish writer uh, Robin Jenkins. Um, he wrote um, over 30 novels during his, uh, during his lifetime. Um, uh, uh, the Fistle and the Grail is one of two novels he wrote about football. Um, the second was one he wrote in 1978 uh, called A Would-Be Saint. Um, and like Thistle and the Grail, um, or actually, and like his most famous novel, The Cone Gatherers, um, the, the, it's about a conscientious objector. Jenkins himself was a conscientious objector during the war, and so you see these themes playing in his work. But um, The Thistle and the Grail is a book that's about junior football in Scotland. So I don't know if you know the difference. Um, junior football's like semi-professional football. Um, until about up, right up until the eighties, it was a really serious form of football in Scotland. It was a kind of um, it was called junior football because professional football was regarded as senior football, and so junior football was the step up into it was the step before you stepped into senior football, and that's why it was called junior football. It wasn't like it was nothing to do with age or anything like that. It was a kind of um, it was a, a standard of football that was uh, full of. Uh, the guys who would never make it and young up and coming players like there was um, Kenny Douglas. Kenny Kenny Douglas famously was put out to Cambus Lang, wasn't he in the juniors by Steen after he signed him? I will, well, Cambus Lang's actually uh, well, it's not. It's called um, was it Fletcher Bridge or something like that that, that Jenkins came from? But it, it's near Cambus Lang. That's where he came from, and there was loads of the teams uh, around, around that area. Um, that um, were involved, but um, Billy McNeil played for a, a junior team. John John Thompson played for a, a junior team over in Fife, um, and they had brilliant, just brilliant names um, like Auchin Lake Talbot. You know, um, the the team in, in the book um, Thistle and the Grail are called Drumstick Up um, Thistle. Um, you had like um, they they play against one of their games are against a team called uh, Carrick Harp. Um, and that allows that allows uh, Jenkins to explore the kind of uh, religious divide uh, in the west coast of Scotland. Um, they are a predominantly Catholic team, uh, Irish immigrants, and the, and the boys in uh, Drums the Gart are um, all like Protestant, almost Presbyterian Protestants, you know. And so um, it's a. I'm sorry. The other interesting thing as well Lee, is that you get those you get those teams that are named after flowers as well, isn't there? Like you know the Bonnie Bird Rose and. And so and, and and they're named after pits. So a lot of the junior clubs would have come from um pit areas, wouldn't they? Or so or farming areas. So Auchin Lech is out sort of Ayrshire way. Then you get those those teams in Lanarkshire and those teams in Fife that are named yeah. specifically after pits themselves. Like, you know, well, so the, the teams came out that they were minors. That was that was the teams were minors, and then and the um, this is brown. Alan Berners done a brilliant paper on this book, and, and he points this out in his paper. But the um, the reason for the names of the flowers, like there's primrose and rose yeah. and thistle and and all sorts of names. Um, Heather Hawthorne was another one. Um, so you have the kind of industrial, as you just alluded to, the Auchin Lake Bing, you know, um, followed by this flower, and it was it's almost like a kind of splash of colour in this kind of grey industrial landscape. But um, but Berner uh, posits the view that it's the collision of the um, industrial uh, landscape versus that kind of 
um, kale yard, Scottish, you know, a, a traditional a fiction, and so you've got this kind of touch of agrarian, a, the agrarian era coming into that, and that's where the, the two things are sewn together almost, you know. But so anyway, um, so Thistle and the Grail was published in 1954. Um, it was a book well ahead of its time, I think. Um, Jenkins is probably the it's a it's a crying shame. Um, the, when people talk about the best Scottish novels, they usually talk about Lewis Grassic Gibbon's Sunset Song, which is an incredible, incredible novel, or Lanark by Alistair Gray, which is just absolutely incredible as well. And you always get these lists, and, and more and more. Doc, Doherty by which, William McLevaney. Uh, amazing, amazing novel. Um, uh, and then. Um, and Kelman's work and stuff like that, you know, and, and Jenkins' work's often overlooked, but seriously, he would have to be one of the best Scottish writers um, of the 20th century, you know, he's like, prolific, but um, I think in this book, um, the reason why I really like this book is, besides the fact that, like, all his work is, is, is rich with symbology about other things and big themes, you know, like the industrial, uh, industrial revolution here, that he looks at gender, he looks at um, uh, the divisive nature of football and its kind of destructive intent uh, and the kind of moral questions it leads men to. But the um, I think this is his most Scottish book. Do you know, like this is, it's like a proper, it was written in the 1950s, but it's set during the kind of mid-war years, um, which is obviously much earlier. But honestly, like even if, like I, I, I remember uh, visiting my grandparents' uh, housing estate in, uh, in Stirling and, and seeing elements of that book still there, you know, like the kind of the treatment of women, um, the, the reverence for footballers, the need to stick to your guns, you know, the, the, all these kind of um, horrific kind of masculine traits that were there. Um, one, of the, one of the things that we see... so. Um, the story of the Thistle and the Grail is about a junior football team who make it to the Junior Cup final, which was a big deal um, and all through right up until the 1980s, really. But mm. even more recently, Ockham Lake Talbot, one of the most successful teams ever, junior football teams ever. Um, last year, they put out Cove Rangers, who are playing in the, the bottom division professional team. The year before, they beat Air United. You know, like this, this is a really reasonable standard of football we're talking about. Even now, but in the fifties and sixties, the football was spectacular, and so yeah, yeah. Um, so the book follows this town um, that's been um, gradually breaking down as a result of industrial changes, you know, and and, and all the things that happened post-war, um, and the men in the town look to football as their um, shining light, the thing that everyone looks to on a Saturday, you know, in the way that people uh, depict, um, what's his name, Silito depicts in his short story The Match, um, uh, Barry Hines' is Brown and this kind of depiction of football during that era as well. And so so it has that tendency, but as I said, it's a really Scottish novel in that he's always referencing, um, he references Carnegie, he, he talks about Mary Queen of Scots and he even makes references to Mary Queen of Scots' lover, um, the Italian boy, what's his name? I can't even remember his name. Um, he makes references to kind of all sorts of different aspects of uh, old and kind of contemporary at the time uh, Scottish uh, culture. Um, so it's about this football team, effectively, um, and their um, triumph, eventual triumph in a Scottish Cup game. But at the same time, the story of the team's success is paralleled with the kind of increasingly immoral a breakdown of a man's soul 
Um, it was a guy in the town, Andrew Rutherford. He was a, um, he's a manager at a local factory, and he um, he becomes like the chairman of the football club um, at the behest of his he, 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 a rich friend, you know, a benefactor almost. And so he runs the club, and so no no one likes him because they see him as being soft. An indicator of that is when he shows his son, like he cuddles his son in public. And when he was growing up, you know, he would he would hold his brother's hand, you know, and it was seen as a sign of weakness. Um, being able to show warmth to to a, a male relative in that way was uh, was was a, um, a abnormal behaviour. And so he was always seen as weak. So he so he, and he wants to be popular. So that's why becoming the chairman of the football club um, is a is a brilliant. Uh, a brilliant mechanism for him to gain some popularity in the town, but no matter what he does or how successful the football team is or what he tries to make himself popular, um, people still don't like him um, because he doesn't fit in and he thinks differently from everyone else. And so he makes these increasingly immoral decisions through the book on on behalf of and at the behest of the, the fans and uh, support of the club and so you, we actually see this kind of um, just uh, this guy making these really deliberate known decisions that are putting increasingly, increasingly large cigarette burns on his soul as he's doing it do you know and it's just uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a devastating novel that's wrapped around the kind of those stereotypical narratives of the um, plucky minnows overcoming the David and Goliath stuff, you know, and it, like there's just some brilliant subversion in it. Uh, as I said, there's they play against Carrick Harp against a Catholic team. Their pitch is even called Tara Park and all that. Do you know, like it's like it, like Jenkins just beautifully steeps him in the, these kind of indicators of of culture rather than and not hit you over the head with it or anything. It's just these beautiful wee moments where he stitches it in, um, and then. Um, they get to the semi-final, and you know, and it's like, um, oh no, it's a spoiler. I can't tell you, Paddy. But you know, like there's this kind of um, Jenkins genius is not in not in allowing the reader to enjoy that success. That even when they gain the success, it's been completely tarnished, and Rutherford's just decimated by it as well. And it's oh, it's just a magnificent novel, I think. I heard an interesting thing about it uh, to be contemporary that uh, Sally Rooney's Normal People's just been done by BBC and it's broken all records for downloads. And uh, part of the main character, Connell, one of his things is that he's a really good Gaelic player. And when they were filming the uh, the match, and the, the guy Paul Meskell, who plays Connell, played under 21 football for Kildare and was the minor captain of Kildare. He's a very decent footballer. Um, one of the things Lenny Abramson, who's the director, said that. When they tried and and in the game, one of the ways that in the in the book and in the and on the TV series, one of the ways that he falls on uh, Marianne, who's the the, the 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 other half of the couple, falls in love with him is seeing him playing football for the school, and he scores a brilliant goal in the TV series. It's soccer in the book, but it's Gaelic in the and Gaelic makes a lot of sense in terms of social signifiers in yeah, Ireland, yeah. just what you're talking about Jenkins does in that book. And um, one of the things Abramson said when he was directing it was. They didn't. They didn't let the camera see the ball. That you were able to see how the team played, because you see how it, it happens organically. Because the camera didn't know where the ball was, and it felt more like actually watching a game than televised sport does. And yeah, I think it's that authenticity of not knowing where the ball is. And it, actually, sometimes books about sport, and particularly books about football or books about Gaelic football, 
work best when you don't know where the ball is? Where the uh, football is actually just as a signifier for something else? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, like, I like the analogy of the sport of the ball competition. You actually also reminded me of the documentary um, that Mugwai did the, the score to about Zinedine Zidane. Have you, oh, have that's you a magnificent that? film, isn't it? Like, you, you hardly see the ball. You hardly see the ball. It's it's that focus on the guy, you know, that's it, so compelling. It, I think partly because of his own grace, you know, because I don't think he's a handsome man, but he was, but he moved with grace, the grace of a dancer. And so that, that I think that's what draws us. And so when you're pulled into a novel, I haven't read Normal People, but I'm going to now. But and when you're pulled into a novel like that, that's, that's despite its ugliness uh, and despite the, the, the kind of outcomes of it, um, that has this kind of elegance to it. Um, it, it allows you to think about those things at a different a different level, and so by not focusing on, as you've said, where the ball is, it gives you time to kind of um, think about these other themes that happen in the book and and, and draw other stuff from it. You know, it's, it's brilliant. Um, one of the, just a, an example of that. Um, the book follows these two characters: a young a young striker who's making his mark and looks like he's going to become a professional. You know, he's on his way to becoming a professional, and this kind of um, broken down, wizened, hard as nails defender uh, called Tuck McCabe, right? And um, and so it, one of the things is that the book does is it allows you to kind of um, follow th- those two players' fate at the same time as you're following Rutherford's fate, and, and it allows you to kind of judge for yourself what their fate's going to be at the end of it, you know? But um, the, the reason why I mentioned McCabe in particular is that notion of forgiveness in that um, McCabe even batters his mum and everything, do you know, like he's just a horrific character, he's vile to everybody when he comes back to the town to play football and people say, oh Turk, your mum's sick in that, he, he couldn't care less right, he's like, he's just a horrific individual but because he's such a stalwart defender and such a good player, because of how aggressive he is, people are willing to forgive him any sin just so they can have them on the pitch. And so, and, and thinking about the book now, and while the book has these sequences of the game, much more of it's around the mechanics of the game itself. And we often find that in really good football fiction, that the football is the vehicle for other things hey, to be discussed. Hey, I, I want to read normal people now. <laughs>